It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Cajun Nation, welcome in to yet another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. I'm your host, Matt Miguez, and Cajun Nation is a little bit on the groggy side after this weekend. Uh, you know, obviously the Cajuns falling to App State in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game by the final score of 45-38. to Valiant comeback effort in the end, but the early hole the defense was, was put in, you know, just Cajuns couldn't quite get out of it. App State improves to 12 and 1. Louisiana falls to 10 and 3. We'll break down all of that right now. Joining me, Jerry Abair, as usual. Jerry, what's going on? Ah, oh, doing good. Got to get my Christmas shopping going. I'm a little bit behind there, but we put up our Christmas tree last night. I think we're a little bit behind there as well, but it's up. Damn it, it's Santa up. Claus, get it together. I know, right? And man about town, Josh Yagno. Josh, what's up? Oh man, just recovering from the weekend, bud. Yeah, you know, Josh, you were you were the one of the three of us to to be in Boone for for the game. Tell us what uh what what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Uh, from the trip or from the game? Just as a whole. As a whole. Uh, well, I can tell you this. I thought that we traveled. Well, I know for a fact we traveled better than last year. Uh, I would say we had anywhere from one twenty to one forty. Uh, and we made a lot of noise, and we were very engaged, and the, the game was fun. The atmosphere was great, as I, I've come to expect from going up to Boone. Um, a rowdy crowd, it was fun. Um, the game, you know, I know we'll get into that a little more later, but tell you what, I'm just going to save it for that. But uh, but as far as the, the crowd and uh, being well represented in Boone, I was I was very proud of our fans. I wish everybody would make a couple of away games. You just... Uh, you can't really explain how much of a different experience it is. And uh, yeah, I know attendance was a, a very hot topic the last couple of weeks, but you know when you when you go on the road like that and you, you see diehard guys and gals uh, just repping the absolute crap out of the team and the program and doing a great job representing Lafayette while they're on the road, uh, you know, with our hospitality and our, our just overall good-natured um, the way that we behave, it's just, it's just great to see. So makes you proud to be a Raging Cajun. I certainly am. I know we got the loss on Saturday. and You know, not much to say about that, but had a good time. Good group. It was, uh, it was a good trip. Let's dive into the scoring summary. Uh, you know, early on in the, in the ball game, App State got the ball first from the coin toss. And, you know, it, it kind of looked like in that first possession that, Cajun defense might get an early stop, get off the field. Um, I think it was third and fifteen on that on that first drive, and then you know they they called him, they named him the offensive player of the year in the conference, and he proved why. They gave a dump pass to Darrington Evans, and he took it fifty eight yards to the house, uh, seven nothing lead early on for App State. 
Louisiana's first possession, you know, they had that, they were, correct me if I'm wrong, they were pretty deep in their own, in their own territory. And this was, was that not the drive that Peter LeBlanc got the 43-yard pass play right there at the very beginning of the game? Right. That drive obviously turned into nothing. Um, I want to say Levi fumbled on, on that first possession. Yeah. I was a little confused on both parts, but, you know, the outside backer made a great play on it, stuck his hand right between the handoff exchange. Yeah. And then you know, a couple minutes later, Darrington Evans gets the ball back, eight-yard touchdown run, 14 to nothing, App State. About eight minutes later, again, Darrington Evans. And, you know, the App State offense doing what they did best all year long, long drives, milking the clock, 14 plays, 76 yards, took almost seven minutes off the clock. Darrington Evans catches a five-yard screen pass from Zach Thomas. It is now a 21 to nothing App State lead. Now, I want to ask both of you, if you were Billy Napier in this situation, what is your message to your team? Um, well, there have been some instances this year. Uh, I, actually, I take that back. I don't think there's been any instance this year where they've fallen behind like that that quickly. But one thing that we've seen is uh, that we've been a second-half team all season long. Um, and what that means is this team just grinds to the final whistle. So... I think Billy Napier's message to this team was, yeah, you might be down 21-zip, but at the same time, there's a reason you're at this point. There's a reason why you're in this championship game, and that's because you have enough talent that's been able to carry you this far. Um, and, and, and I guess one other thing about this team is that they're well-conditioned. So I, I, my, my first my first thought was when we were down 21 nothing was simple. you got to score now or they're going to score again and put the game out of reach. And luckily, the Cajuns responded. But again, you know, even with this loss, there's a re- there's a reason why the Cajuns got to this point, and that's because they are a good football team, and they and they just find ways to grind. Um, but yeah, at that point, I was hoping that they just got on the they just get on the scoreboard. Um, we were at Pete's watching the game, and man, for every touchdown App State scored, those first three drives were just sitting there like, man, can we catch a break? Because you notice first drive we fumble second drive I think we get a three and out Um, and one thing that App State did on those first few drives is they killed it on time of possession so our defense was getting worn out and tired and beat up so we had to uh, we had to sustain a drive here and luckily they were able to do that and somewhat get back in the game yeah well I can tell you this from uh, you know our group standpoint in the stands now granted this could have been the moonshine infused Yosef beer it also could have been the Jameson that Joe snuck into the stadium. So maybe we were just a little bit 10 foot tall and bulletproof, but we never thought that we were out of the game at that point. We Passing lanes were open. We had receivers down the field that were open. Um, it was just miscues that you couldn't have started any worse. You know, I mean, we thought that there were opportunities out there. Now, it was blatantly obvious that their offensive line was dominating our defensive line. And we know that Joe has he was kind of hamstrung, and we also know that Chauncey had a little nagging injury. Uh, really hadn't been healthy the whole second half of the season, but uh, they were ineffective, uh, and you could tell that they were not 100%. So that was a concern at that point, but we thought that there'd be, there'd be opportunities to score points, um, and obviously that ended up happening, but there was no feeling at that moment that we were out of the game. A minute late, like like we you both mentioned, a minute later, Levi Lewis finds the f- true freshman from New Iberia, Peter LeBlanc, 
37-yard touchdown pass. And just like that, you know, it's 21-7. I think talking about what the message to the team would be, just get points. Get points right here. Don't don't bury yourself in a four-touchdown hole. you got to get something here. Um, and that's exactly what the offense went and did, 21-7 at the end of the first quarter. But then to open the second quarter, App State, Marcus Williams Jr., 29-yard touchdown run, makes it 28-7. to So just like that, you're back to 21 down. Um, but, you know, the thing we've talked about all year is that the, this offense, this team doesn't quit. Uh, they always, they're always going to find a way. And uh, that's exactly what they did five minutes later. Elijah Mitchell catches a pass from Levi Lewis, 28-14. App State answers again with yet another running back, Datrich Harrington, 25-yard touchdown run. Four minutes left in the second quarter. It was a 35-14 advantage for the Mountaineers. Three seconds left in the second quarter. Stevie Arteague answers with a 53-yarder, 35-17 at the half. And, you know, in, in that moment, you know, I can tell you from, from my perspective, I was I was a little discouraged. But at the same time, like, like Jerry mentioned earlier, we've always been a second-half team. We've been a second-half team all year. And... Um, so that was a that was a bright spot, and I knew that we could come out in the second half, get get another touchdown, and make it a two possession ball game. You're right back in it. Uh, third quarter, not much scoring. Uh, first scoring actually didn't happen until about nine minutes into the quarter. That was the Josh Thomas 16 yard interception taken back to the house. Um, you know, from from the replay that I saw on TV. It looked like Le- Levi was trying to hit a hit a slant route over the middle, and the linebacker just made a hell of a jump on it. He jumped, and uh, you know that was a backbreaker. In all honesty, you know that's that at that moment, uh, the energy kind of deflated out of the crowd, and uh, we just knew it was it was going to be a tall order. And again, you can't turn the football over and expect to win a championship, you know, especially down deep, and uh, and when it results in a, a score, it's it's a triple win right there. So yeah. that was tough. Yeah, that was rough, man. I, I just, I mean, like Josh said, you, you, you just see the energy get, get deflated when something like that happens, especially when you're on the road. I want to say they had just forced a punt on defense, I believe, mm-hmm. and, you know, you get the ball back, you have a chance. First stop of the game. Yeah, you have a chance to, you know, get things going, sustain the drives, because they had to sustain a few longer drives uh, in the first few touchdowns that they were able to score, and yet... On that drive, I mean, it was, I mean, just right to the right to the, to the linebacker. He just walks into the end zone. I mean, that just, I mean, you just put yourself. I mean, you just dug a. Not only did you dig a hole, you dug a well. <laughs> Pretty much the yep. way you can get out of it. So, um, yeah, that that's just one of those simple mistakes you can't make. You know, when you're playing in a championship game against a ranked team at their house. Um, and unfortunately, it was just to me at that point. I just knew. I think that this is just too much to come back from. But, you know, the, the Cajuns' offense, they said that they wouldn't be denied. A couple minutes later, Jamarcus Bradley catches a two-yard pass from Levi. 42-24 to to end the third quarter. A little later in the fourth, 8-12 left. Chandler Staten hits a 35-yard field goal to make it 45-24. to But, you know, keep in mind that it's kind of interesting how this worked. Game one, you're in that situation. You're down three scores in the, first, in the fourth quarter. Game... 13, you're down three scores in the fourth quarter. Cajuns mount a comeback. You know, when we'll, we'll get into the touchdowns real quick, Elijah Mitchell had a one-yard touchdown run with 418 left, make it 45-31. A 
And then with a minute 19 left, Peter LeBlanc again, 38-yard touchdown catch from Levi Lewis. And now it's a seven-point game. In that, in that moment when Peter caught that pass with a minute 19 left, did either of you think that it could be done? Of course. We had momentum. But the hardest thing, the hardest thing of all when you try to make a comeback, you got to recover the onside kick. And the Cajuns only had one timeout. So, in the small chance that I thought that we had recovering the onside kick, if they recover the onside kick, I think we score. Yep. But, again, you had to grind your way to get to that point, which I will tip my hat off to the team for not quitting. I just thought it was just too much, too little. Yeah. No, it, 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 was, little, it was definitely, too, late, it was definitely too much, too late. Um, obviously, onside kick did not get recovered. Cajuns called their last timeout. App State took a knee or two, and that was all she wrote. Final score, 45-38 from Boone, North Carolina. App State wins the Sun Belt for the fourth consecutive season. Now we'll we'll get into the we'll get into the box score a little bit. We'll start with Louisiana. Levi Lewis, you know, on paper looked like he had a pretty good game. Obviously there was there was quite a few miscues. Um well let's talk about that uh, because I've been critical when I thought it was time to be critical, but Levi was good on Saturday. I mean he was excellent. 24-46, 354 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. I mean, I'll be honest with it. Uh, he missed Nick Ralston on a wheel route. That was an easy score. He missed him flat out. He missed Jamarcus Bradley on a deep post very early. I want to say it was on the second drive where Bradley had a step. Outside of that, he didn't miss anybody else. Now, he, he, did throw, the, he, throw, the pick, he threw the pick. I thought it was a better play by yeah, the Yeah, but was the pick really his fault? I, I think it was – you know, we can just debate – until the cows come home about if it was a good decision or not. But you backed up. You know, the call is what it is. If it's a quick slant, you trust the, You trust what you see. I think it was game planning and a good play by a linebacker. Uh, from App State, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the other guy. Uh, it was an excellent play by an excellent defender on an excellent defense. That's very well coached. I mean, yeah. sometimes these things are going to happen. But uh, I also don't think uh, – I don't think that the fumble was really on Levi either. Uh, him and Kyle were obviously – Confused. Uh, I think Levi saw outside backer bearing down. I think Kyle was looking off to the right. So, again, that's one of those things that kind of happens. Uh, I, I will say this. It was apparent to us in the stands that the team was a little bit deer in the headlights, a yep. little bit, even early. Um, I would like to just see trap right, trap left. Uh, just give the ball to somebody to let you get hit a few times. I, I, I really don't like those own read there. I just I thought that wasn't a great call. I'm not a coach, but I think I just turn around and hand the football off and see what we can get out of it for the first play of the game or the first run of the game. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, I thought Levi was very good. Uh, his his stats were not gaudy as they were against Carolina and, and uh, Troy, but I thought overall his decision making was very sound. And of course, he's going to make mistakes just like everybody else, but. Overall, and a really good game. Jerry? Um, one thing that we've been talking about with Levi, especially in the first couple games, is the fact that, you know, and that was one of my biggest criticisms, was that I know he's a rollout guy. He throws to the flat. I wish he would go more vertical. He went vertical the other day, and, I mean, he made some really nice throws down the seam. And he was able to make some good decisions as far as going downfield, and they were effective. I mean, he made some nice throws 20, 30 yards upfield, some of which were touchdown passes. I love that, and I think going into next year, or actually, well, I'm not going to jump on to next year yet because we have a bowl game to play, but 
I mean, if he's coming, but if you know, do that in the bowl game, but then come back next season, you're able to to add that weaponry. Man, that's 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 a sign of danger for defenses that you have to face because now you have a vertical threat with with Levi Lewis. Add add in the rushing attack that's coming back next right. year. So, I thought he did a great job there. Um, I mean, four touchdown passes, as good as it gets, right there. Um, still, I think like Josh said, there were some decisions that he made that I thought were a little off. Um, don't want to be too critical about it, but the one thing that stuck out to me as far as if there were any deci- bad decision-making was that play where on third down, um, it was the drive right after the Cajuns forced that fumble on, um, I mean, literally just, I mean, just, <laughs> Zach Thomas let's, got his let's, bell let's, let's, let's call it what play. it is. No offense to Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas died. He he got his bell. He rung. died. It was, I mean, it was a clean hit. He got his bell rung, but the Cajuns got the ball at the App State 12-yard line. Uh, first two plays couldn't really get anything going. First play rushing, uh, rushing attack, two yards on the carry. Next play, Levi throws it out of bounds. On third down, now I think the score was something like forty-two to twenty-four at the time. Even yeah, if you kick a, a, a field t- goal, a touchdown right there puts you back in the two-possession ball game. A field goal does. Field goal puts you within fifteen. No. But on third down, Levi drops back and he starts dancing around and he runs back like thirty yards and gets an intentional grounded call which forces Stevie to miss a 52-yard field goal, which could have been like a 30-something-yard field goal. And I'm like, I was, and I'm not going to lie, I'm at Pete's, and I was, I banged on the table like, what the hell are you doing? Why would you do something like that? And I think, you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to take away Levi's performance, but decisions like that moving forward, he cannot continue to make mistakes because, and not like that. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's going to have to be a little bit smarter when it comes to him getting rid of the football because sometimes he kind of moves around a little too much. He dances around. It's like, dude, just get rid of it because something like that happens, I mean, that, that costs the team three points, especially I mean, at a crucial time of the as, game. As, I don't want to be crucial on the kid. I really don't. But moving forward, you, you got to make better decisions. As, as but it doesn't as, take anything away from what he did the other day. He had a great stat line, made some beautiful throws. I thought – Beyond, to be honest with you, I thought he played a great game, but he has to limit some of those those bone, and, those and boneheaded know, decisions. And you know, as much as much as I agree, at the same time, Levi's known for his escapability. He's he's known for extending the play. And granted, there there comes I agree there comes a point where you just got to chuck it. Yeah, I mean, but, if you're gonna extend the play, you gotta like. Sometimes I feel like there's hesitation. So like, no. he'll kind of he'll roll out. He'll kind of pause and hesitate. And there look, there comes a point thing, where you just gotta dump it. Well, one thing about App State, look, you can get away with that against some teams in the conference. You can't get away with that against an App State defense. That's very fast on the edge. I mean, that's one thing we knew coming into this game, that our rushing attack was going to have some trouble on the outside because App State's just fast on the outside. There was no game on the outside. Well, that's my point. Yeah, there was no game on the outside. Right, so I think in a situation like that, again, you know, not taking anything away from what Levi did the other day because I think he, like Josh said, he played a great game. But certain decisions like that, I mean, that can cost you. I mean, you know, you cannot make mistakes. No, like and, and, I, and I totally agree. And I, I think the problem was he, he waited too long to get rid of it. Um, I agree that the result of the play probably ends up being a bad decision and it costs us yardage. I'll also say that in the stadium, there was a feeling of he's got to make a play. Yeah. And I think that it contributed to his being hesitant. He... I think he saw what we saw. Somebody came streaking across the middle, and immediately somebody dropped back. I don't know if it was a defensive end or what happened, but we saw someone open. may have been Bam over the middle, and then it just disappeared Like mm-hmm. as soon as we saw it. I think that's what he saw. I can't 
I can't tell you that for sure. But again, I think it was a crucial moment in the game. It felt like points were absolutely necessary. Yep. Uh, so you have to, you know, kind of put yourself in the shoes of a person. You know, at that point, the offense was relying on Levi Lewis. Yeah. So I felt I feel That's like an, that was an like immense amount of pressure. He needed to make a play. Yep. And he tried to hold on too long, and then it was just a football play. You know, a lot of these things that happened on Saturday were just one of those. It's, it just happens. You know, I mean, you can place blame because you know we always. It's always better. It makes you feel better to put blame on somebody or someone or whatever. I think that that was just another one of those plays in that game. Uh, if you play a lesser team, it doesn't happen. If you play in a smaller situation, it doesn't happen. And uh, you know, I think I think moving forward, you know, one thing about App State is they've been at this stage many times. I mean, learning been, how to win. They've, that, been, they've been in two situations it. against P five teams. They've gone to their house and they've won. Right. Uh, I I if that's the case, and I I'm, I'm it kind of it kind of broadens my view on it uh, a little bit that you said that. Maybe maybe guys like Levi and some of the guys on this team just need to learn how to handle a situation. Here, like that. Here's, here's the thing: that learning how to win is an important part to a good team. Yeah. Here, here's the thing: with the, with the success that App State has had over the years, and especially with the success that they've had this year, I hate to say it this way: I think Saturday was just another game for them. There's no doubt. Well, they're used to it. They've been there. I think that. Saturday was just um, another game. They got a trophy at the end of it. That's correct. I, Let I me think tell so you this: too. I, I there agree. was really no intimidation factor. On the absolute right. side, I can tell you for a fact. We of course there you was were. some intimidation you, factor on the right you, side. You walk into a stadium like Kid Brewer, where you know there's history. Sure, there's an intense crowd. You know all all these things. Of course, of course, it's intimidating. Yeah, especially when you have that much on the line. For sure, and you already have a bugaboo with them because you won seven against. Them. Yeah, you ain't beat them. You, know, you walk into Kid Brewer. There's atmosphere. There's tradition. There's right. banners hanging. There's a full twelve thousand. Person, student section going nuts. They're doing chants. Bands going crazy. That's the kind of thing that we're trying to create here. And in these type of games, that environment shows how it can really help you win. Yeah, it, it right. propels you forward in these games. Leading rusher for Louisiana, Elijah Mitchell, eighteen carries, eighty-five yards, and a score. Leading receiver for Louisiana, Peter LeBlanc, three catches, one hundred and eighteen yards, and two touchdowns. Bam Jackson always also had a great game. Four plate, four catches, eighty yards. Jamarcus Bradley five catches, fifty eight yards, and a score. Um, one one thing I really want to point out on the defensive side of the ball is the performance of Jacques Boudreau again. Sure, yeah. you know thirteen tackles, just you know another solid performance by the senior. I mean, and look, you have to this this can't go without being said. Defensive line had a tough day, and for. Jacques to shed blocks on the second level and still make 13 tackles the way he did. I mean, he really yep. impacted the game, especially in the second half. Uh, the defensive line was you could you couldn't ask to say it more. nicely. They were ineffective. I think, the, but I, I got to give credit to App State's front seven, uh, their old line. I mean, or their their old line. Uh, they were for, for whatever reason, the Cajun front front four could not get off their blocks, and I mean, they opened so many. Gaping holes at that first right. level, and I'm like, "Gee whiz, man! It's like they're parting the Red Sea, literally." Yes, they they were parting the Red Sea, and I don't think I've seen the Cajun even in the first matchup. Like they really couldn't run the ball against us that well. Um, but this time around, I don't know what kind of adjustments uh, Eli Drinkowitz made with his coaching staff and his team. But man, those first few drives, watching us trying to stop the run, that was that was painful to watch. Well, there, there were runs where they weren't even touched. I mean, Evans was no. untouched no. on that first touchdown run, and uh, 
And look, I'm going to say it. I'm not a bitter fan, but I'm telling you, Joe Dillon and Chauncey Manack were held that entire first half. Now, in the second half, it was a bit of an adjustment. But on those stretch plays, on those, on those, uh, on that bubble screen, on the third, I believe, third touchdown, wide receivers held. Chauncey was held. It it was or it was Joe on that one. Uh, it was unbelievable, really. I mean, we were I was screaming at the top of my lungs, kind of why I sound so hoarse right now. But I mean, look, I don't feel like we got cheated, but I don't feel like those refs. I. I they could have held. They could have called some holding calls. Is all I'll say. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Even even watching it on TV, there were there were calls that that could have been made. But you know, yeah. the the way the way I felt about it was, what what else is new? Yeah. I mean, and the outcome it's, it's of the, the game. Yeah, and the outcome of the game. I don't feel like it was too relevant. It, it, no. I don't think it would have changed. Um, Might have helped that the the way that they were blocking our guys is is kind of the point right. I was trying to make there. Right. No, and that, that that's absolutely true, and that definitely. Definitely is a point, but like like I said, you know, it's the sun belt. Well, I we, think we've come to. But look, we can all agree that look, even towards the end of the game, things got chippy. But the refs let the guys play. They let them play. They, that's, that's I, this was probably one of the first times I noticed like they weren't flag happy. There wasn't a flag right. on every single call or right. every single play. Like they kind of let the guys play a little bit, knowing that it was the championship game. Sure. You know, there was some look. There was some personal foul calls towards the end of the game that. Both teams could have gotten, and the refs just kept the flag in their pocket. They're like, look, you're playing for a championship. As long as you don't throw a punch, hey, it's football. Yeah, yeah. overall, I thought it was fine. I thought they did okay. Yeah, well, I thought they did Quick okay. breakdown of the App State stats. Zach Thomas, 9 of 17, 149 yards, two touchdowns. Leading rushers, Datrich Harrington, 9 carries, 89 yards and a score. Marcus Williams Jr., 8 carries, 78 yards and a score. Darrington Evans, game MVP, 19 carries, 73 yards and a score. Zach Thomas was held to 25 yards on 13 carries. Darrington Evans was the leading receiver, two catches, 63 yards, two touchdowns. Can't argue those numbers. No. I mean, he touched the ball twice as a receiver. Just well-balanced. It was well-balanced overall on their offensive side. I mean, one thing they did in that those first five touchdown drives, they, they shared the rock. All hate, three of their running backs got touchdowns. I hate Can get murders. I hate to say this. I don't think they missed Corey Sutton one bit. No. Oh, that's what I was, I was no. saying. Hennigan no. just absolutely balled out. But yeah. we knew Thomas Hennigan would be a threat after what we saw against Troy. I mean, he was our main go-to guy. Yeah. Hennigan uh, had four catches for 50 yards. Oh, by the way, and don't forget to mention that uh, uh, Mike Jacquet, Jacquet, still can't get the guy's name right. Mike Jacquet tweaked his knee in, uh, at the end of the first quarter, so he was out for a bit, yeah. and that hurt us also. <laughs> but, you know, again, injuries are what they are. It's football. Lots of people are injured. I just think at this point in our program's history, uh, we're not quite we're not quite at their level. I hate to say it, but no, that's that, not wrong. We're not we're wrong we're a that. recruiting class or two away from what they put on the field on Saturday. And here's the scary part: they got a whole lot of seniors coming back next year. Yep. Yeah. Almost their entire offense is back next year. Yeah. King Davis Gaither, who more than likely is headed he's to Sundays. Gone. Yeah. He's headed to Sundays. Thank goodness. Ten tackles for the Mountaineers. Desmond Franklin with eight. Jean Charles with eight, Jordan Fair with eight. Um, Josh Thomas had five tackles and the interception returned for a touchdown. Jordan Fair is sneaky good, man. He's he's like Jacques. I think he might be a little bit faster, and he's in on everything. Yeah, no for for sure. Um, Chris Smith getting in the kick return game, I thought was a bright spot. Four returns, ninety-seven yards, um, holding Darrington Evans to only twenty-six yards in the return game. I thought was a was a solid. Um, solid thing by the special teams. 
one one thing that I I want to point out quickly is just no, actually, I'm not. I'm not gonna point it out. I'm not gonna say it. What you got? No, I was interested in there. I'm, I'm the not. pregnant pause got me interested. <laughs> what do you got? Pause. Okay, I guess we're just gonna gloss over that. There's got to be a better pump turn there, Gary. Well, I mean, you got to. He got a touchdown. Well, no, he went out at like the six, but South Al, he almost curved one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think. But I mean, he three, makes me th- nervous. Three, three returns for zero yards. Like yeah. how how do you not get something? Well, I like uh, I like Chris Smith in the return game. He's a weapon. You got to find a way to use him. And and nothing against EG, but three punt returns. You got to get something. There was one where like their their punter punted to the right side, and he had nothing but green on the right, and they had he just a shoestring tackle literally cost him at least thirty yards on that return. Yeah, that's true. And I'm just like, dude, you got to get a little bit quicker on the edge. But you got to give credit to App State's coverage team. I mean, coverage team was good. They and did look, a good job. The the punter got a lot more hang time than I remembered in the first game. Yeah. Uh, I thought they did a good job on special teams, actually. But yeah, I know I, you know, three returns, no yards, it's tough. Uh, again, it's a good team, man. No. And uh, I thought that uh, we showed up a little hesitant, and uh, I'm not going to use the word scared, but I think we were apprehensive. Let's go that. That we'll go that route. And I think that uh, I think we needed to get hit a little bit before we woke up. Well, it yep. goes back to what you said. I think this team is learning how to win. I mean, if you look at what App State has done this season against the competition they faced, they're not scared of anybody. No. They go to they go to Chapel Hill, and they're ready to go. They're fired up just as much as North Carolina was. They go to they go to Columbia. They're just as fired up as the South Carolina Gamecocks. They're ready to play. Right. And I, I, don't get me wrong. I know the Cajuns are the same way, but App State has – a tradition and a history behind that. They have a track record. They have a track record. I mean, look, this is the team that upset Michigan and is an FCS team in the big house, okay? I mean, they have a reputation for playing on a big stage at a lower level. So, of course, this is, like you said, this is normal to them. This is this is another day at, at work. I mean, another day at the office. And I think one thing the Cajuns are still learning how to do is they're still learning how to handle that type of um, – Situation, that type of circumstance, and I think they will. I think it's going to get better. Uh, you know, Billy Napier is teaching this team how to win. I mean, look, they've won ten games this season. They've won a few big games on the road, which include like Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, places where Cajuns, the Cajun past football teams, haven't really won at. Right. And they've won some of these games convincingly. So to me, it's more or less baby steps. Um, I think they're getting there. I will say this: this definitely sets up well for the bowl game against Miami of Ohio in January, and I think this sets up for next season. Uh, you know, get a year under their belt of learning how to win. I think this – I'm excited. I'm excited about the bowl game, but I'm also excited beyond the bowl game of next year because what we saw this year as a whole has been such a special – it's just a special group of guys who are just finding their identity. And I think once this team really finds their identity, you know, watch out. This is going to be <laughs> – they're dangerous. I agree that's a crucial step in the evolutionary process. Uh, and as long as we're trending up, I mean, nobody can complain. No. Maybe we didn't get it, you know, get what we wanted as fast as we wanted it. But how how many times have we said this year, uh, we're a year ahead? You know, and we were a year ahead, in my opinion. Ten games is an accomplishment uh, for anybody, but especially for us, never been done before. Anytime you get to use the word never or ever, something historic took place, obviously. So, yeah, it's a great season. There's absolutely nothing to, to hang your head about in, in that Loss. I mean, of course you wish it goes the other way, and we can point to 15 reasons why it should have. But you know, bowl game, and then you go in the off season, and you have a team that's ready made 
to go out and uh, and really make some noise next year. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the future is still bright. You know, yeah, we'll just keep going for for sure. Forty five thirty eight final score. App State headed to the New Orleans Bowl to face UAB. The Cajuns head into the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile to face Miami of Ohio. We'll step aside, take a break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about the coaching searches, the coaching carousel, as it's called, and how uh, the Cajuns may have dodged a bullet. We'll, we'll get into all that after the break here on the Raging Cajun Army. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army. Matt, Jerry, Josh, and guys, let's get into the coaching carousel now. Uh, you know, obviously... Coaches in the in the group of five are are never safe after a bit of success. App State learning that very roughly um, today. Uh, sorry, sorry to the Mountaineer faithful. I have no sympathy for him. So, um, Elijah Drinkwitz was hired by the University of Missouri. Announcement coming on Tuesday. You know, a, a lot of people are saying, especially with Lane Kiffin getting hired at Ole Miss and Mike Norvell going to Florida State, that now Billy Napier's job is safe. He's not leaving Louisiana this year. True or false? True. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Not now. I think he, he, wants that, he wants that big job, but I think whatever the job that he feels will be a good fit that he can sustain at a higher level, I think that'll be the one that comes calling. Um, you know, I know next year there's going to be a few jobs on the line, possibly. Uh, you know, we're having debates right here whether or not, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's safe at Tennessee or Will Muschamp is safe at South Carolina. Um, you know, that would be a job that I'd be concerned about with, with Billy Napier. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's because, you know, he's, he's, like, he's in the Sun Belt. It's a small, you know, not a, not a P5. Are you going to take anybody from the Sun Belt? Look, Billy Napier is different from other coaches here because he has a resume. And look who he's worked under. Nick Saban, he was Dabo Sweeney's first offensive coordinator at Clemson at the age of 29. Guy's got a little bit of a pedigree. So I think the next year or two, you'll definitely see a lot of um, a lot. Of, you'll see a lot of lists with his name on it, you know. And <laughs> it's part of the game. It's the name of the game. And um, you know, I prepared myself already for it, even though we keep him another year. Praise the praise the Lord. But. In the meantime, uh, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying while he's here, and uh, just be very thankful that those shortlists. Uh, even though he was on the shortlist this year, that uh, he he didn't go anywhere. Very thankful for that. Very very happy. Well, man, you know we had our sauces on this whole deal, and I felt pretty confident that our sauces. You know, hashtag sauces. Uh, the good sauces. Anyway, we we felt good about keeping him keeping him after the Mississippi State. P-gate situation. <laughs> uh, I, I thought, uh, well, anyway, you know, we felt good after that, and then it's the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, you're, you you want to be a successful G five program. You know that uh, P fives will come calling, and you're naive if you think that uh, you're just going to keep a guy long term like a Blakeney, like a Jerry Moore. Those days are over. Uh, the, I think the bottom line is, uh, and look, I love Billy Napier, and ten ten wins is is historic. We've talked about this. Uh, but to the point, to this point, he has not beaten anybody that he wasn't supposed to beat, and that's just—it's uh, an ugly truth. Uh, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that he's incapable. Like I said, I'm thrilled that he's here. And I'm thrilled that he's staying. But until he starts going on the road and beating a P5, I mean, look at what just happened with uh, with, with Drinkwitz. Uh, you know, as we've dubbed him on the pod, Nerdwitz. Nerdwitz is going to Mizzou because he went and he 
dominated the state of of North Carolina. Actually, both Carolinas. Both Carolinas. Outside of Clemson, and that's both correct. Carolinas. Outside, yeah. <laughs> he beat the guys that were on their schedule, and I think Napier's got an excellent shot to do that next year, uh, and, and we'll see. But SEC P five want to know that you can build a culture. Number one, which I think he's done, and number two, they want to see you go on the road and beat teams that you're not supposed to beat. And you know the interesting thing now we talk about Drinkwitz being at Mizzou. Cajuns get to play him again next year. Oh, joy. Yeah. We'll I'm actually in, excited in about Columbia. that matchup. I'm excited about that matchup. Look, he's going into a team. I mean, this is that job is not easy. Um, even though you're in the SEC East, I understand it's not quite what the SEC West is, but yet you're still in the SEC. You still have to face Florida. You still got to face Georgia. You still got to play Alabama. You still got to play Texas A&M. You still got to play... You know, you have so many teams in that conference that you have to face that you have to bring your A game every Saturday. And I think Eli Drinkwitz, what he showed me this year was that he's capable of doing that, but this is this is at a bigger level. Um, you know, we've seen what Scott Satterfield did at Louisville. He had a decent year, but that doesn't mean he's going to go 10-2 and two in the SEC in his first season. Mm-hmm. It's going to take him time. But, I th- look, I think he can do well over there. Sat he's was, a smart coach. But Sat was I the American Conference fun. Coach of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, he had a rebuild on his hands. People don't really realize what happened at, U- at uh, Louisville. Uh, that that was kind of a dumpster fire. So he really stepped in and did a good job, especially towards the end. Uh, really, I think he had the second half of the season was incredible. Turning around, all things time, considered, yeah. uh, you know. But he, look, Drink's going into a situation where you got Kelly Bryant at QB one. I mean, that's so, that's a piece already that he has in place. Well, I think, uh, isn't he graduated or this year? ACC Coach of the Year, my apologies. ACC. Yeah, not, ACC. not the American, the ACC. I think Kelly Bryant's leaving this year. He is. If I'm not mistaken. Kelly Bryant is leaving this year. Oh, He's God. not going to be. He is a senior. Oh, wow. Well, I That's awesome. <laughs> For my, our sake, that is awesome. Kelly Bryant is a senior. My mistake. Is Drew Locke's little brother on that team? Uh, I believe you might be right. So, I know Drink is smart enough not to walk into a situation where there's no quarterback. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and I, I think that, uh, you know, that's his bread and butter, right? He's an LC. So sure, sure. I think they'll score points like they do. They want to score points at Missouri. Uh, he's going to fight some recruiting battles that he's not seen. You know, coming from NC State, I mean, an ACC battle is, is still pretty good. But sure. the SEC wars for recruits is uh, it's a whole other level. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. And the thing about that is, you know, we really didn't get to see him cook with his own ingredients, like, like Charles said uh, of the BGP when we had him on last week. Um, he really kind of just maintained. So this is kind of an odd transition. It's going to be interesting how it plays out. I think, you know, I might get torched for saying this, but I think Missouri kind of reached on this hire, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of unknowns with Drink, to be honest. You know, uh, Missouri's quarterback next year will more than likely be Sean Robinson, the transfer from TCU. Okay. Um, He's phenomenal. Okay. He is phenomenal. I knew that their quarterback um, situation was in good shape. I, I thought that Kelly Bryant was a junior. No, Kelly, Kelly Bryant is a senior. But yeah, it looks like the hand, the the keys to the to the vehicle, if you will, yeah. be handed to Sean Robinson yeah. next year. Well, you know who is a junior this year? Zach Thomas. Yeah, saw that. Don't even get me started. So, you know, like I said, I think there's some unknowns with Drink, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Though that's going to be a brutal uphill climb for him, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, you never know. Guy's obviously bright, very sharp, uh, a little arrogant for my taste. But, you know, when you're winning, you can do those kinds of things. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, you know, moving forward as far as seeing the other schools that have – I mean, obviously, Ole Miss goes after Lane Kiffin. You know, Mike Norvell's going to Florida State. Uh, Joe Moorhead's staying for another year in Mississippi State. 
it's it's interesting how these coaching searches work. Uh, you know, I, I was getting people were asking me. I was getting text messages asking me if I knew anything, as if I had some type of inside info with with Ole Miss and sauces. Yeah, the sauces. And um, you know, all I knew was uh, the top two picks were Lane Kiffin and, and Norville. Those are the top two, and and I think Billy might have been third or fourth on the list. Now he was probably on the short list. I have no doubt about that, but. You know, look, I mean, anytime you have this type of success that, that Billy was able to produce with this, with this, you know, UL football team, he's going to be on shortlist for bigger gigs. And I, you kind of have to expect that as a fan. And like we've always said, you know, if your coach is on a shortlist for a bigger school, that means you're doing something right. That means you're winning and that means you are sustaining success. Uh, I'm okay with that. Um, but I think, I think Coach Napier, he's going to go where he feels that he has a decent opportunity and where, where the money's good. Um, I don't think he's just going to settle for any time, any job. Like, like, uh, And maybe, look, maybe uh, Eli Drinkowitz felt that this was a good fit for him. I don't think Coach Napier would, would go to a school that he felt wasn't a good fit. He's going to want to go somewhere where he's got a shot to win. So he's going to be particular. To. He doesn't have to reach for a job. No. Especially if he does what we think he can do next year, he'll have his pick of jobs. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe timing was good for Drink. Uh, I, I know the money was definitely good. I mean, when you, when you increase they your salary. They quadrupled his salary. Right. I mean, look, who's going to say well, actually, that? No, uh, they tripled. They five-timed well, he went, he's his gonna make salary. Four million. He, made four yeah. million. he was making seven fifty at App. It's so, going to be difficult yeah. to say no to that for anybody. Well, and then that's the thing, and I know a lot of uh, I was seeing a lot of App State fans. You know, I'm sure they were upset about it because, of course, they're losing their coach. But there were some people that were kind of like, "Well, he didn't understand our tradition, didn't understand our culture." And I get that. You know, they have a very prideful. There's a very prideful culture at, at App State in a good in a good way. I mean, look, they have a winning tradition, they have a winning culture. But uh, <laughs> sometimes it's like when you like you said, when somebody quadruples your salary and you have a chance to coach at probably the P5 of all P5 conferences. Why would you say no to that? Well, you know, we kind of fight the same battle in our culture is that, you know, sometimes having that type of culture can it – it's always good. Don't get me wrong. You always want that. But can, it can come back to bite you in this way. You know, drink, you know, famously is not part of their tradition. He's not an App State guy. You know, that's what they say. Right. So it's kind of easy. And, and if you look, to, look at Twitter or the message boards, you know, some of the fans are trashing him. So it's a little bit easier to trash what you perceive to be not as one of your own. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the outcry for uh, Coach Clark that they, they want to hire him for the head coach, and the number one reason why is because he's an app guy. Yeah. So uh, that can get you in trouble. I mean, look at Michigan, man. We, it, there's been several hires where they were trying to get a Michigan man, and a uh, Michigan man has kind of hit a brick wall. That's, sure. That's happened over the last 15 years. Sure. So – I think they'll be fine. They've got plenty to choose from, and they've got a ready-made roster yeah. with all the tradition you could ask for. Sure, sure. So they'll be fine. Uh, but like I said, I got no love loss. Uh, I don't feel sorry for them one bit. Would you say that App State is currently the most attractive job in the country? Who's left that's open? Memphis. I think Memphis is open. Uh... Memphis is open. UNLV is still open. USF just hired uh, Coach Scott. USF got Coach Scott from Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, um, Arkansas just hired. Pitney. UNLV's open. Memphis is open. I would say Memphis and and well USF would have been above App State. But I'd probably say Memphis. Memphis because yeah. there's more upside there. Well, your your conference is just well, it's I mean, three notches above. You, you you succeed there, you go to the Cotton Bowl. I mean, we saw what happened Correct. this year with App State. They're going to New Orleans. Correct for a New Orleans bowl game where 
They're flush with money. I mean, Their sponsorships are unbelievable. And the I fan, understand. Fan support is up. Yeah. Not that Apple has an issue with fan support. No, but I understand. Look, 50, I get the whole. In the stadium. I get the whole bow tie in thing, but man, I just. I, it just and I know you gotta honor the contracts. I just feel like phew, Keith, Keith going up. point blank period. Keith Gill laid an egg. We can have a whole podcast on how I just uh, on how the Sun Belt League office screwed up. And I understand, they, yeah. And I get the bull tie-ins, I get the contracts, and how the deals and all that stuff. But man, I just even now with all of that being said, App State going to New Orleans Bowl to play a UAB a runner-up in the Conference USA championship game with UAB, and, and not just a I and just, not just a. <sighs> Not just a runner-up. They got spanked. You got whooped. Yeah. I just don't feel. I, I. It just doesn't fit. Like it doesn't no. fit. Well, the system doesn't make sense. It just doesn't no. fit. The, and, the, and for the ups and downs that we have with Carl Benson, uh, I and obviously I won't. I, we will never know. But I just don't think that Carl Benson sits on his butt and allows not. this to to play out the way it did without saying something. You had Mike Oresco in the media uh, for days on on end talking about uh, why his conference deserved the slot. And why his conference should be playing in that New Year Six, and you never heard they a word call from the, the current. You never heard a word from the current commissioner of the Sun Belt. Yep. And look, we can't stop short of Keith Gill. It's it's there's been a systematic failure for years and years. I mean, this is the conference that didn't show up to present their trophy to their conference football champion. I mean, that's awful. It's been it's basketball's been a disaster for a long time because of poor leadership, poor foresight. I think the bowl tie-ins, while they're great that we have the tie-ins, I think that. Lack of contingency plans. And I'm not saying that they don't have a contingency plan, but I'm saying the effectiveness, obviously, we just saw. It's not good enough. Uh, and maybe we'll learn from this and get better as we go. But uh, in 2019, the ball was dropped in a very significant way. Yeah, and also, too, I think I'm, I'm, I'll add up to add to that real quickly. You know, let's be real. The Sun Belt's not used to seeing ranked teams, especially – like I think it was just two years ago, Troy was the first team ever in its 16 years of existence or 17 they, years of existence. And they lasted a week. That became ranked and lasted a week. And last year, the same thing happened with App State. Right. One week of being ranked. So this is really the first time you've seen a team from the Sunbelt Conference sustain a top 20 ranking and finish the regular season with a top 20 ranking. And right. so, But at the same time, now that we've seen it, I would hope the conference reevaluates in the offseason. Hey, look, in case this happens, what can we do? To make sure that we can get these bowl contracts straightened out, because to yep. me, again, you know, I understand everything was in place already. It just doesn't fit with me, and I'm and I'm saying this on behalf of App State. I just don't. No, think there's that, no doubt. That, but it affects us. It fair. affects us from a money standpoint. It affects us from. A, you don't have to be a marketing genius to understand that when you have a nationally recognized program, you've got to find a way to put them in the best situation to showcase your league. Yeah. How can you not understand that? I mean, look, I understand that it's not always going to work out in your favor. But this has been going on for six weeks, a month. You got to start planning these things. You know, maybe start making some phone calls on the front end. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying it wasn't effective. So we have to find a strategy that's going to work for us later. And now we know that ESPN is going to get involved in the matchups next year. So maybe that kind of relieves some of the stress on the commissioner and his office. Uh, you know, we brought him in to fix basketball. Hopefully, we'll see some fruits there. But I'm, you know, you guys know how I feel about the Sun Belt and. Uh, I think it was vindicated you know, again this week. In, interesting fact: before we before we close out this episode, um, talk about Miami of Ohio for a, a, a quick second. Their starting quarterback is true freshman Brett Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert's little brother. Okay. Um, you know, Blaine Gabbert obviously had a, a solid NFL. I mean, pro college career. Um, <laughs> 
his, his pro career has been a dud. But, you know, obviously a solid college career, so you would you would hope to see something similar out of out of little brother. So maybe, you know, he the he might lead their offense to a into a dogfight in the in the lending tree bowl. Has he been the starter from day one? He has. Well then the guy's obviously talented if they trusted him on day yeah, one. Blaine Gabbert played at Wake Forest, didn't he? Uh, Mizzou, right? Missouri, yeah. I'm sorry. I, the black and gold, sorry. That yeah, got me confused too. for a second. Yeah, and played in Mizzou and yeah, I, look, I'll be honest with you. I love the fact that um, I, I know there's people out there that are like, man, we have to play. In, like, I'm not a, look, I'm not a big fan of the date, but at this point, I'm happy we're in a bowl. I'm excited that we get to – I mean, look, we're playing the Let's MAC just champion. Win. Let's just win the damn thing, man. Let's, Let's just, just win. win the game and, and, and go out with a bang. Look, you got early signing day on the 18th of December. You gotta, you gotta sell this. This is huge for this program to win this game going into the off season. Yep. Carry that momentum into the off season. Eleven and th- a possible eleven, 11 and three, three record. record. Yep, Dude, absolutely. Could you really? I big, mean, big things for next year. Big things for next year. Let's win. Let's win a trophy going out, and uh, let's carry this momentum into next season. Because I think next season, I'm already excited about next season. Even though we got a bowl game to play, I'm already excited about next season. Hey, there's, there's still, there's still basketball and baseball to, to talk about before. Before we get into football, for sure. How many more days till baseball season? 60-something. 60 62 or 3. 62 there. or 3. Getting there. Counting Valent- down. Valentine's Day. Counting home, home it down. Day. All right, guys. Thank you for coming on. As always, we'll talk more next week. Um, we'll, we'll, get, we'll go a little more in-depth in basketball starting next week and leading up to the, to the bowl game with Miami, Ohio. All right, Cajun Nation. Thank you for listening as always. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army, and we'll talk to you next week.